right. It is Lopez Radio episode 382. Uh, we've been doing this uh, a while, guys, and uh, I'm glad you're here today because it's a very special episode because uh, someone I've met, I think we met in 2018 at Atlanta DreamHack, um, has decided to join us today and uh, very excited because he just released uh, an amazing game called The Mortuary Assistant, which I've been playing on Twitch um, quite a bit lately. It's been batting between that and uh, Cult of the Lamb um, a pretty good bit. And uh, it's it's so fun to see this guy grow and, and just pump out these games that are just a lot of fun. Uh, it's Brian Clark from Darkstone Digital. You can follow him on tw- hey we can follow him on uh, on Twitter uh, DSD oh sorry DS Digital Dev at DS Digital Dev, um, and I'll have links up to all of his other stuff in the description for the podcast and the YouTube video. Brian, welcome, sir. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah. Awesome. This is this is cool, man. It's, I feel like this has been a long time coming. I like ever since we met, yeah. and I've been playing your games. I'm just like, I need to reach out to that guy because uh, I know you're you're a podcast guy, and and you you know because you would listen to podcasts while you were devving on Twitch and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I was like, man, I would have a great conversation with this guy. Um, so I'm glad yeah, we finally. It's been it's been a while, so it's, it's it's good to to finally be talking and stuff. Yeah, it's been awesome. So I always start this. Well, I try. I say always. I usually forget, but I'm going to do it now. Um, I, I always start and I ask the guest, "What's on your mind? What's going on right now? Like, what is top? Like right now, if we were to not be doing this, what like what's the thing you're addressing at the moment? Uh, well, um, actually, some stuff that I am not able to talk about yet. Uh, which I am very excited for, and I really hope I can talk about it soon. Um, but other than that, uh, just packs coming up. I'm going to be, I'm going to be getting all my stuff together before that and then flying out to Seattle. So, uh, PAX West. That, yep. That other than that and, and drinking some rye, that's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's what awesome. I've got going on. Cheers, by the way. <laughs> Cheers, man. That's, yeah, uh, yeah. it's been, it's been a hard, uh, hard fought two years for sure. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, I, uh, I've i just been very excited to see this kind of all happen. And uh, I, what I wanted to ask you, so we talked in, in my other show offline and uh, you had brought up the, the original like demo or prototype that yeah. was three years ago at this point, like three plus years ago. <laughs> played that, I've played it. And then, uh, and then the demo came out and uh, for for what what is now the mortuary assistant um do you feel like the timing i i don't know i don't know if this was like all thought out but the timing of the demo was like man that's like great timing because it got people pumped enough to be like yes this game's happening and then like it was what a probably like a, a little a year and change before the game came out yeah so i wouldn't say there is a a a specific plan of like, I'm going to do this and then in this much time release the game. Right. Cause I, I mean, with the, you mentioned the prototype, it's like that was created a while before, like, I think I even started our secret below. And then during that, uh, the Kickstarter for that is when I put the prototype up and it, it gained some traction. And I was like, Oh crap, people want to play this game. So I want to make that, but I still need to finish <laughs> this one. So, um, that's, that's kind of how, like that, that moment started. But, um, from there, I just started working on the full game after our secret below. So that's why there was such a large amount of lag between the prototype and the demo. Mm-hmm. And there was just so much I needed to do. Cause we've talked before, you know, solo developer, I'm making all the art, I'm doing the programming and all that sort of stuff. 
Um, and the haunt system is pretty elaborate. So that's where a lot of development time went. And there was a lot of systems that got made and then canned. Um, so really I was just trying to build the core, like I'm embalming and spooky stuff can happen. Mm -hmm. Um, and then finally I got to a point where it's like, I need to pretty this up a bit and try to put something out for people to play. And that sort of lit a fire under me to do, um, some polishy stuff for like the, the UI and like just various art things and make uh, actual events that are like story events and stuff. And that finally was like the tipping point of like, now I'm ready to just build all the content and make the full game. Right. And, uh, that from making, from putting the demo out, that was just like, I just need to go as quickly as I can right. to get this done while still like making it good, you know, and not, uh, not just, pooping it out to try and meet a deadline. But because uh, I mean, you play the demo even still, it says that it comes out in like spring when uh, <laughs> it ended up coming out uh, close. It came out uh, in the beginning of summer. It wasn't wasn't too far off. But right. uh, yeah, I did get pushed a little bit um, just because, you know, I, I wasn't going to put something out that wasn't ready. Yeah, but, I'd, uh, say, yeah, I'd say you're you're doing you're doing pretty good on your timeline compared to compared to how games usually are. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of people who misunderstand the timeline for a game where it's like sure, yeah no that's when they want it to be out it's not necessarily when it's going to be out and everybody's just like i can't believe they delayed blah 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 <laughs> you know well even in in triple a it's mm -hmm. like there's this thing where just like you've got to have a date to tell people right because mm -hmm. you've got to give people a timeline for interest you know because it, it's like if you say dark souls 6 coming out <laughs> sometime right yeah. like that's that's not good that's not going to build hype people will be like oh well that's cool okay well i guess i'll wait and see if anybody says anything yeah. um but if they say it's coming out in a year then that's that's way more hype right and yeah. that's been the case at every game that i've worked on there needs to be a release date and it's never met right <laughs> it's not because you know it's not because game developers are liars it's just you you try to estimate a window best you can for when it's going to potentially launch and you try to hit that. And then if you don't, you either are going to be a company that puts out a broken game or you're going to be a company that bites the bolt and takes extra time to make it. Now, are you going to take the appropriate amount of extra time to make it? I don't know. That depends. But uh, yeah, it's the launch date is never something that I think is concrete right up until like even a month before launch because you just have no idea when something can break and go wrong before you hit like gold master and 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 like are ready to go you know but uh yeah yeah i mean it's it like because because like you said anything could happen you could have something pop up where like oh all of a sudden i've got to do something i mean it kind of did right you had some some things pop up where you did work for dread xp um yep. and you know that that Not factors fault, in but hey but i mean i uh, i think it helped yeah. right yeah, yeah. Well, so, I mean, with Dread, like I wasn't looking for a publisher at all at mm -hmm. the time. I really didn't want to. I had uh, I had some things where like um, I had kind of going off topic, I guess. But um, I had applied the game to uh, Devolver Digital like a while ago and I didn't have tons of like polished looking stuff and they turned me down. Right. <laughs> and then uh, then the demo came out and suddenly there was a lot of interest. And I had been talking to a number of different publishers and I was very uncertain because I just didn't, I, I, I don't know, the idea of a publisher didn't quite sit well with me. I heard a lot of horror stories. Um, but then DreadXP reached out to me and they were like, do you want to do um, 
a mini game for our collection. And I hadn't even really heard of them. I had seen some Dread stuff before and I had remembered, I think I had remembered seeing one of the collections at some point like being mentioned, but that was like, that was the most exposure I had had. Um, so obviously I went and did a bunch of research on them and everything, figured out what it was. And I really liked uh, where they were at because they started for uh, helping indie devs make money during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, so they're they're very, very new. Uh, but their their values aligned with mine. So I was like, yeah, OK, I can do that. And I was like, I I wasn't with a publisher or anything. So I was like, I'll just if if it takes a little bit extra time to finish Mortuary Assistant, it takes a little bit extra time. Um, I don't think it will, but who knows? Cause this is a small project. So I agreed to do it and I did book of blood. Um, and that came out all right. There's, there's stuff that I think it's lacking, but I mean, it was made in a very short amount of time, so I can't, I can't be too hard on myself. I don't think. But, right. Uh, right. But still obviously, yes, that, that pushed things in a weird way. Um, and then I agreed to have them as my publisher and then they wanted a, a version of the game for something else. Um, and uh, it ended up not mattering, but um, I was like, okay, well now I have to push this out. So now I'm trying to get this thing as polished as possible for this release thing, mm -hmm. this this like thing they wanted and try to get Book of Blood done. So that ended up causing a lot of weird tripping up. And then once all that was done, I could be like, now I need to focus on like getting something together for PAX because that was the last PAX where it was like, I want to have something new to show. I can't just bring the demo again. It's been out for a bit. So sure. uh, I made a pack specific build and that took extra time because I made a special end sequence for that and like special things just for packs. Um, so that took time to author, which is probably what pushed that stuff back a little bit. But yeah, those those things happen. And, you know, from a triple A scale down to a solo indie scale, there are things that just make sense to do because they're advantageous for mm. uh, the potential of your launch or they just need to be done in order for the game to be good like you never know so yeah, yeah. any anything can happen that throws that date off and i can see how like having a you know courting publishers and trying to figure out what do i want to do with this thing is like it's stressful like uh, the only thing i could probably relate it to it seems like taking deciding whether or not to take your baby to like this daycare or that daycare like like it's like <laughs> yeah. you're going to be taking care of this thing and i hope it's as important to you as it is to me and and that's got to be hyper stressful what i what i do like is the fact that you because because you you did a you did a patreon for mortuary assistant um and and, you know, I was part of that. And, you know, you had a, a good contingency of people that were really rooting for you. And you were pretty, pretty good about just like communicating, saying, hey, this is what's going on. This is what I, you know, I've got this thing. Maybe I can't talk about it. Maybe I can. Um, but you I never felt like you did the hey, thanks for kickstarting me. You're not going to hear from me for like a year and a half. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny because like. Like, I feel bad when I don't put stuff up on Patreon in, in a timely manner. And I know there are moments like this where it falls off because, you know, I'm, I'm doing a million things and I'm, I'm traveling and stuff. Mm. And it's like I'll be uh, giving like updates for packs to it um, yeah. just because I, I want to throw something up there. Um but even even with that, like people tell me it's like, hey, I've been you know, I'm I'm subbed to some Patreons that like they never put anything up. It's just I just do it to support. And it's like kind of realize that Patreon, while you should obviously trying to be create thing, creating things for those people that are special for them uh, as often as you can, 
it also isn't the end of the world if you can't because those those people are there to support you like yeah. ultimately and that's a very weird thing for me <laughs> to, to suddenly be like oh <laughs> these people want to support just support what i'm doing and i'm like well that's that's pretty cool feels weird but all right <laughs> I yeah try to put, i still need to get something out though you know and it's it's tough to not want to do that right yeah and the, well and the thing about patreon that's even even weird for me i did patreon for a little while and i was doing like special episodes just for them and stuff like that and it's it's hard to keep up with but like it's also hard for like the creator like you said to be like oh these people are already like fans like so for most of them it's not the end of the world if i can't make like okay i didn't make something this week you know and you know they're they're a little more understanding because yeah. they're already there you know it's kind of like the I comedian wouldn't, i wouldn't be surprised if half my patreons or more don't check patreon I, I uh, you know, like it's like they're. <laughs> I never did. Right? Uh, yeah, you know, just... that's that's the thing, right? It's to me, it's like it's like subbing on Twitch or something. Mm -hmm. It's like they, it's sort of like this is my sub to you mm -hmm. for the stuff you're doing, and if I get something extra that I like, awesome. Yeah, but I think that's the mindset of most patrons, and that's I mean that's awesome. That doesn't change the fact that I want to still put stuff up, and it's not just sitting in the back of my mind all the time. But uh, yeah, but, you can't abandon it completely. I think, but it's it's one of those no, of like not. you it's it's that like it's that job you had where you had a little bit of leeway to show up 15 minutes late, like back in the day. Like like <laughs> all right, I'm not going to say anything. You're fine. You know, you show up and you work hard, kind of thing. So it's <laughs> yeah. it's not it's not too bad. Um, it's interesting, like, so you're about to go to PAX West. You know, the last thing I did before the world ended with COVID, right? Like, the last thing I did was PAX East. Um, mm -hmm. And that was, like, the last big event that happened before everything shut down. I don't know if you remember, but, like, Sony pulled out of that. Like, yeah. it was a big oh, yeah. deal. It, it, like, it went super down. Yeah. yeah. Um, it You know, and so I, I'm a big fan of the PAX stuff. And, it, and all I can think about when you're talking about going to PAX West is, like, when I met you at DreamHack 2018, you had a table and a nope. small subject banner and a laptop. Nope. <laughs> and I said, I brought my TV. I brought my TV. Oh yeah. You did have the TV. Yeah. You did have the TV, but like, <laughs> I was wondering like, do you like, so what's the, what's the booth set up this time? Is it similar or is it going to be so, a little more substantial? I mean, I guess it doesn't matter talking about it. It's only in a day or two and I don't think they'd care anyway. Um, yeah. So the booth is going to be pretty mortuary assistant centric. Um, it's a, it's a, decent sized booth i believe it's near the entrance um and yeah like last last packs i was pretty small because i was kind of shoehorned in like they had already set everything up and and they had just acquired me and they wanted me to be there mm. um so there was like a computer with the game on it and like i had a panel with the mortuary assistant old lady on it uh, like on a side that was not a busy traffic area <laughs> yeah. you know um, but I was still at PAX, which is something I had never been to, right? Sure. And now it's going to be, um, it's definitely going to be more of the focus of the booth this time from the sounds of it. And that's, uh, and hopefully some of the things that I can't talk about now will be talked about, but I'm yeah. not sure. No. <laughs> we'll see. But, uh, but it's, it's pretty, it's pretty wild. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's the publisher doing it you know it's not like it's not like i'm out of pocket um going to pax but it's like that journey from yeah i got a i got a free slot so i got a little like you know whatever it is eight by eight booth or whatever that thing is um and then go from there to this <laughs> is is pretty surreal because in in my mind in my experience that's other developers that I hear about, right? I hear about other developers that manage to 
you know, they, they hit just right or have a game people really like, and they do these fancy things and everything. And it's like, that's not, that's not something that I like, I was like, I really hope I can do that someday. Right. <laughs> it's, you know, it, it's weird to have it happening. It feels like, um, we were talking about imposter syndrome before yeah. the other show where it was like, you know, I still have that feeling of like, everything's just gonna be gone tomorrow. Yeah. And people are, and people are just being nice. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I think they're just, they're just saying they like it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that that's, but I think that's like a, a low key motivator too, to be like, okay, well I got this it, thing and yeah. I want to hold on to that. You want to keep that, that, uh, that trajectory and that momentum going. Right. So I think it's good because I think that, I think that some people lose that over time, you know, they're kind of like, oh, I'm so you, we've all seen like met people that are like used to being told yes on everything. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, so I think that's a good thing. I, I don't think, I don't think imposter syndrome is necessarily a bad thing as long as it doesn't hinder like yeah, you. Uh, I agree. I think, I think it is a healthy, at least for me, it's part of the mix that mm. makes me being able to work consistently possible. Right. Like, uh, and, and I think it's part of what keeps me updating the game as much as I do and being as involved as I am is like, I, I want to make sure that what I'm experiencing is true. Mm, <laughs> you know? right. And, uh, and I, and I, and if it is, I want to keep supporting that. I want to do everything I can to make that the best it can be and make players have the best experience they can. And like, it all kind of goes hand in hand. So yeah, I, I, I agree. I believe it's part of the motivation as long as it isn't something that overtakes you. I think that's that too is like just indicative of someone who's a creative anyway. Like you have a few things. You have imposter syndrome. Usually you don't. You just hate everything you put out, even though everyone else seems to like it. You're like, you're like this sucks. But here, take a look at it. And they're like, this is great. You're like, no, it's not. But thank you. You're like, it's just it's that that whole like com completely self motivating cycle of just like I can do better. I can do better. I can do better. And I think you have to have that in order to to be at a certain level of um, you know, just creation, you know, just to, just to have sure. to, to move forward. Otherwise, if you're not like you were talking about an offline, like if you don't have the ability to tell yourself to keep going or to set, set some lines for yourself and set some small goals, like you're just not going to make it like you'll, you'll get burnt out quick. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I try to keep that, uh, that, Oh no, what are you talking about? It sucks to <laughs> myself right. more now. Right. Cause yeah. it's like, obviously, you know, I don't, I don't want to go saying that to everybody if they think it's good i don't want them going like well why does he think it's bad right <laughs> it's like no i don't i don't think it's bad i don't think mortuary assistant is bad i absolutely i'm extremely proud of it but there are things where i'm like i need to make that better right. i need to go back and fix that i need to add to this i would love to put more story for that right yeah. and and there's just i think that's just like you said a creatives in general they're always they're their worst critics of their work yeah you have, you have the one tile on the floor that you didn't polish just right. Yeah. Like you're like, yeah, exactly. ah, I see it every time I walk by it, you know? I, I got, I, I kind of changed my view of that actually back in high school as a wood shop. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I had made something and I was telling my teacher about it and talking about the issues that I had and stuff. And he's like, look, if you're trying to sell a table to someone, you don't point out the nicks and scratches <laughs> that, you know, you let them decide if it's good. And because he, he, he was like, I, I came to this and thought it was fantastic. I don't see the things that that you see because you're the one that made it. You're going to see everything. Right. So it, it that that 
little lesson, this one weird thing in high school was like a, a big thing for me to help me realize like how to approach something that you make that you're putting out for the world, which is yeah. just don't point out the flaws to others, uh, not to be secretive, not to keep things from people and, and hope they don't see it, but to just let them really give you feedback on what it is, how it really is. It's like, oh, well, this this feels quality to me. It's like, oh, good. Okay. Well, then I won't mention any of the other stuff. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he didn't see, he didn't see the tile. Good. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. So it's, it's, I, I think that's a, an important thing to try and uh, to keep with you to some degree is like, realize that you're the one that made it. You're always going to see every single flaw with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, that's fairly normal. I mean, I think people have that I think people have that kind of mentality about themselves when they look at themselves in the mirror, even just getting ready oh, yeah. for the day. Like, oh, God, look at that bump on my cheek, you know, and no one this even knows. guy again. Yeah. Oh, what are you? I've seen you for, you know, all going on four decades and I hate you every time. Um, but then you go out and you're like, I love myself. And like, it's funny because when me and my wife started dating, uh, I have a very, you know, amongst me and my friends, I, we have very self-deprecating humor like as as most i think our generation kind of does right it's yeah, the best yeah. kind but like she hadn't she came from like a background of like you know um uh, athletes um you know people who did track and field and you know you very rarely had too many people i think i'm just assuming that like that i think were really like shit talking themselves even though they pushed themselves in different ways like i suck doing that or whatever but like she would always be like why are you shit talking yourself don't do that. I'm like, I'm, I mean, I don't really think I've, you know, I don't, I don't really want to go jump off that building. I just want, you know, I'm just like, I don't want to go to work today. Like it's, that's all it is. But, uh, yeah. you know, it's just kind of, it's interesting I, I, when you I, run into people that, that don't, don't have that kind of a humor, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I forget where I heard it. I forget if I was talking to someone or if I had heard it somewhere, but the concept of like, when you're when you're saying negative things about yourself, you ask yourself if that's something that you would say to your kid or to your friend or to your wife or girlfriend or whatever. Right. It's like, is that something you would say to them? If not, then why would you say that to yourself? Right. Kind of thing. You know, right. now I totally get there is a there's a little bit of uh, rosiness in that in that. Like you're saying, people will say that about themselves and not mean it. You know, sure. it's like it's just more of a a humorous kind of thing. So it, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a gray area, right? <laughs> it's good to keep yourself in check. Right. Like, I, I mean, I do like I, IT work. So like you get the client where you're kind of like, Oh, this fucking guy, like, you know, so one of those things was like, I'm going to go help him, but I'm going to bitch about it every step until I get there. Hey, how's it going? Good to see you. Um, it, it's funny you bring up the kid thing because, you know, I, I know you've got a family and I, yeah. You know, I've, I've my my kids about to turn sixteen or just turned sixteen months old, and mm -hmm. it's like there are some times where I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't say that in front of my kid about myself, but then there's some times yeah, where yeah. I know I'm gonna when she's older, I'm gonna lean down and be like, honey, daddy's a dumbass, so please, you know, <laughs> please just understand that your dad is a moron, you know, stuff like that. But, you know, hopefully that I'm hoping I can transfer some of that humor down a little bit. Yeah. Um, it'll happen. What's weird is the amount of stuff that's uh, like just seems to be hereditary, <laughs> like things that just <laughs> that just happen. You didn't even do anything. And suddenly they're like they behave a certain way. And you're like, oh, man, that whole like that's that's my kid. 
mm-hmm. thing is totally a thing. It's, it's really weird. Yeah. But, uh, like I know that furrowed brow. Oof. Yeah, they'll say something or they'll behave a certain way or perceive something a certain way. And it's like exactly what you would do. And you have no idea if it's, do I do something that made them perceive it that way? And I didn't realize it. Or do they just do that? Like, did I mess up or is that just natural? Is that in the DNA? Yeah. There's, <laughs> <You just don't laughs> there's a couple of things like, you know, there, there's a couple of things where like she'll get frustrated because she's learned, you know, she's, she's walking pretty well now and she's, you know, figuring things out. But then you see that like when something doesn't go quite right, that frustration and you're like, Oh, this is her curse too. Like she's, she's, <laughs> she will be cursed like me. Um, and there's nothing you did to teach that. And it's, it's pretty amazing though. Still just to yeah, see it happen. Yeah. It's like, well, someone's here with me now. We're, you know, we're in this together well, <laughs> going so forward. My, um, my daughter gotten, got in her head that she wants to live in a van and like travel in a van. Okay. And, uh, I think we went camping recently and I think she saw a few of them and she thought that was really compelling. So she's like, I want to do that. But she like, she started just in her head designing all this stuff that she was going to do to this van and how it was going to be laid out. And then she got like a little notebook and put in the notebook, like her, her van idea uh, and everything. And my wife was like, Oh my God, this is exactly what I would do. (laughs) And it's like, we didn't teach her that. She's just like, that's just a thing that she does that is also something my wife does. So it's, it's interesting to see kids are weird, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested to know like what, what you just, you don't know. I mean, obviously you've been, you've been, you know, you've been a parent for a little while now compared to me, but like you just like people who don't have a kid yet or, or don't plan on having kids. They just don't know. Like when you, you're looking at your kid, like what will impress upon you? Like, like, I want you to love ghostbusters, but yeah. I don't want to push ghostbusters. I don't on force you. To, yeah, oh, right. Exactly. Right. Like Beetlejuice is amazing, but I don't want you to perceive that I'm forcing this on you. So I'm just going to casually play it in the background and maybe yeah, you'll be like, like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> my, my son's there. I'm like, you want to watch star Wars? <laughs> you want to watch it again? Right. <laughs> <laughs> slowly, slowly feeding it. I can be here all day, buddy. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see who blinks first. <laughs> yeah. Cause I think there's that there, you, you tread that weird line, especially depending on the age, right? Like they will get to a point where they're kind of like, whatever you're doing, stupid. <laughs> Cause yeah, it's someday, you doing it. Someday, right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know when it'll be. I don't know what it'll be, but there'll be something I do where my kids like, Oh, Jesus. Right. You know, yeah. Like, it'll oh, it'll happen. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Let's see funny, what it man. is. It's so funny. But like, what I'm loving so far is, and and this you'd probably get a kick out of this is like she likes to be startled, like it doesn't make her cry. She just immediately starts laughing and she's like more, more. Like I'm just like yeah. like and I'm not like jumping at me like, ah, but I'll just be like yeah. you know just take her by surprise on something. She'd be like yeah more again like and then today she really had like her first like conscious. Um, there's a thunderstorm going on outside and it didn't scare her at all. She was just like every time it thundered, she's like thunder more more or less like well just give it a second it'll do it again like you know so she's not like petrified so i'm like there's hope she could be a horror fan it'll be you know she'll be playing scary games and i can share like all this stuff with her because i love i love horror so much um and you mentioned in offline that you were very a lot of your scares and a lot of your you know influence for stuff like that came from movies um yeah I did have a, uh, there, there was a question and I, and I kind of did a little title segment for the questions that came from everybody. 
Um, so uh, let me do the sound drop. Questions from the living. Questions from the living. Uh, someone asked, uh, let me let me see. Uh, Chris99783 on Twitter wants to know, what was the inspiration for the mimic? Like what, how did, how did he show up? Where, what motivated that? So for a long while, I, I watched, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Slapped Ham. There's a, it's a YouTube channel where it's a lot of like um, closed circuit television of like ghosts caught on camera and stuff like that. Mm. Um, so I watched a lot of that stuff, especially while I was working on Parks and Mortuary Assistant. And um, the goal for all the spirits was I wanted familiarity. I wanted something that people had kind of seen before or maybe seen a variant of or heard about. Um, and there was this thing that would come up over and over again in all these videos of just the pale out of focus creature with the sunken eyes and everything. And it's just like, you know, out of the corner of the camera over someone's shoulder. And when they focus on it, it goes away. And like, that's just, you see so much of that. And there's this very creepy feeling to that. Like all, all those videos are super grainy and look like they were taken in like 1992, even though it was like a year ago. Um, and it's just to keep everything, you know, super questiony because the unknown is the most scary thing. Right. Mm, so, yeah. um, I was like, well, what could I make that is similar to that? And, um, there was a oddly enough, just out of nowhere. I watch, um, so some ordinary gamers sometimes who, uh, does like dark web videos and stuff. And there's a thumbnail for one of his videos that has this creepy all white face with these these big piercing eye things and it's it's got like a split in the middle of the face and everything but i was like those those eyes and that kind of concept are really creepy and so i took those two things that really sort of struck me and i was like you know what i want to do this thing where every time you you see something when you discover something it's it's reactionary scares. So this would be perfect to do something where this creepy thing is looking at you and the moment you see it, it's like, oh shit, it goes away, <laughs> right? Um, so it's the same same sort of concept. And that's, that's how the mimic came about. But then I, uh, I have lore behind each of these that I created and um, what sort of, before I did the actual model, before I made the art for him, um, I made some lore about the concept of this this spirit is basically that it's a manifestation of a demon type impish creature in hell that basically is doomed to live this existence where it can't be perfectly human. It, it, it longs to be human. It, it suffers from envy, which is why it's from the house of invidiousness. Mm -hmm. And um, so it has basically made this mannequin-esque suit. So that's not what it really looks like. We Nobody knows what it looks like underneath, but it's got this weird, like, trying to be a human, super stiff, kind of uh, kind of creepy suit. And uh, so that's that's what gave the idea of this, you know, kind of dry, cracked skin. It's it's very stiff in its 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 motions. And like 
Its face is very like the eyes are wide. It can't blink. It's constantly smiling. It's just like a really like failed crappy version of a person. <laughs> and uh, that's why it's like its ears aren't formed. Its nose isn't formed. And that's that's where the idea came from. It's sort of a combination of a few different inspirations and then the the lore that I put behind it to sort of drive it. Kind of has that uh, that the the roach guy from Men in Black. Remember when he was just wearing the skin suit? <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, like the skin suit, the Edgar suit. Yeah. Trying, trying to, trying to be just like normal, but just not quite pulling yeah. it off, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's got to be kind of surreal too, because I think I saw where you retweeted something. Someone's already done like cosplay for this thing, and that is by far the craziest thing to see people doing like even even minimal cosplay stuff. I've been seeing cons like um, fan art. Which uh, I shared some earlier today, actually. Yeah. That's that's fantastic, and um, that's like it's really crazy to see something that I've made like have characters that people attach to, and like they're interesting enough to them that they want to cosplay or they want to draw or or whatever. And uh, there was someone who, when the demo came out, made a little mini comic about it, and like there's just it's crazy to see these things just off of something that, you know, I've, I've never been on this side of things where it's like, I've created something that people I don't even know, like really enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's kind of like, it's, it's just extremely surreal, you know, cause it, it's, uh, it, it's weird to have something that's, that's, become somewhat successful and yeah. like trying to figure out well where do i go from here what do i what do i do with this and every time i see those things like it's just a little bit more of like that that little bit of what we were talking about earlier it's like really you want to okay cool that's great <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's great yeah sure go for yeah. it yeah it's... i mean I, I love to see it and I, I share it every time i i see something and like sometimes people will make things and not tag me and like I won't see it, but then eventually they'll show up in Discord and I'll find it and then I'll share it a whole bunch because I'm like, oh my God, look, this person did something because it's yeah. so, it's super cool to me, right? It, you know, it's, it's rare. Not everybody gets to make something that other people get inspired by to some degree. And, and it's, yeah. it's, it's very odd, but also very cool. I feel like that would be like the coolest thing about doing something like what you're doing. It's like all of a sudden there's there's the possibility like i'm not saying it's gonna happen there's the possibility that someone could walk up to you at pax cosplaying mm. as your dude like like that'd that, be wild <laughs> i mean or you just look over and he's just like standing on a table looking at you or something like that that's oh my god i take i take so many pictures with that person yeah just like i'd, I'd go all over pax with them <laughs> if they were if they were the mimic yeah yeah just all right you stand here various places yeah. <laughs> yeah you stand there i'm gonna be over here now you stand over there Dude, you're a lion you're a lion do it do the arr, you know just you <laughs> right. start you start really directing everything but yeah that, that would be I, I, the coolest i think yeah i can't imagine somebody would but you, i mean you never know it'd be it'd be crazy it'd be that would be a whole new level of like just i'm blown away every time somebody does anything that's inspired by the game someone's someone's working on a wiki for the game just that is like People, someone else out there in the world likes the game enough that they are taking the time to make 
a a data source for people about the game and and to me yeah. that's just that's phenomenal that's amazing that's that's extremely surreal and like i just i i can't express how appreciative i am of it and how much it actually means to me to see these things because it's so it's so out there for me yeah yeah well and there's a contingency of people like just from playing games like in general and being a part of like this community or that community that are just they're hungry for lore like they just want lore i want to know more about raymond i want to know more about the mimic i want to know more about what's going on with you know with with you know all these these characters that are that are a main part of the story but also on the outside as well like and yeah, thank God like, I wrote lore for them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, I th I think that it's just kind of it's it's insane now. Like some games I'll play and I'm like, okay, there's lore, great. But then some games I'll play and I'll read every line of lore. It just depends on how it strikes you. But sure. uh, that's uh, that's such a cool concept of, of like you said, someone is taking your thing and just being like, this is great. I want to do the I want to do my own version or rendition of that. Um, yeah, and you know what i what i wonder is because i i listened to your appearance on uh pores and pixels just a, mm -hmm. a couple weeks yeah. ago a few weeks ago or whatever yeah. uh amazing job those guys are i think they're just starting out on they're on just doing start, that. i feel so bad they wanted me to come on again i think it was yesterday and i was just i was too busy i had i had other stuff going on i knew i was working on the patch and trying to get stuff out maybe it was day before yesterday but yeah they're they're fantastic and i'd love to be on there again but yeah uh, really cool concept i would i would highly suggest if, if you enjoy this show you would like that show i mean they drink and they talk about you know video games like what what else do you want oh, you know yeah. <laughs> um and um it's uh it's cool like i was i was kind of wondering i didn't know at the time because i you know doing my research i was like well i'm gonna listen to this interview to make sure you know i can there's something i can't elaborate on but i didn't know you were honestly uh, you know such an art dude like leading up to leading up to all that you talked about how you did you were you know art director for a couple of uh yeah. studios yeah. and stuff like that and do you so in talking about before we get into that like in talking about like all these characters you've got in the mortuary and do you kind of like get an idea for a character maybe it's not quite in a game yet and you're just kind of like i'm gonna throw that in a portfolio just like a an idea that i've got about some dude that could show up in another game you know now i it's less like it's less granular than that where it's more like sort of a high concept that like I'm working on something and something will just kind of ping in the back of my head and I'm like, oh, that's a neat idea. Mm. And usually, you know, I'll just make a little note in my phone or I'll write it down in one of my notebooks here that's just like, it's like a two word thing or something because like I try not to, I try really hard to not get distracted by new things when I'm trying to get something done, right? Because it's, I think it's really easy. I see it all the time to like, you, you sort of stall on the thing you're working on and then you get a new idea that is obviously going to be more fun because the beginning of development is always super fun because you get to just make whatever you want. There's mm -hmm. no time frame. There's no deadline. There's nothing. You just you're just coming up with fun stuff and then you're making a, a gray box proxy version of things and just trying stuff out. And so it's really easy to become enamored with that and not go back to the project that you've been working on. So when I have those ideas, I I try to like recognize that it resonates with me and then record it somewhere or maybe, you know, sometimes I'll do something where I write like a I might write a paragraph or something if it's a larger game idea or something like that. 
but I try not to get too distracted. But still, overall, yeah, I'll work on some things and I'll come up with an idea and maybe it'll spawn something else or inspire something else. And I'll make sure I jot it down because I don't want to forget it. Sometimes I do a terrible job of jotting it down and I'll look at a note and go, what the hell is this? And then, then I'm just like, well, it must not have been that good. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard too, because it's almost like sometimes when you're, when you're creating stuff or when you are you know, you have a show you're doing or something like that, like you get an idea and like, you almost have to write it at least, at least blurb about it, you know, just because it's like a dream sometimes like you'll, you'll be, I will literally be cutting the grass, you know, I'll be cutting the grass and I'll be like, oh man, that'd be really, really cool. And if I don't stop and make a note in my phone, I'll get in later and I'll like be cleaning up or whatever. I'll be like, what was that thing? That's the thing I was really excited about out there and I don't remember it. And it just, it feels terrible. So uh, that's oh, my, yeah. yep. that's my big like pointer to anyone who wants to do anything creative. It's like, if you get an idea, just at least write a word or two. Yeah. You anything. Jot it down. Cause yeah, there are definitely things where I've had the exact same thing happen because creativity strikes at the worst times. Terribly. Yeah. You're just like pretty much you, unless you've trained yourself very much, you can't really just sit down and be like time to be creative. Right. Like <laughs> what, what's been really, uh, unfortunate for me during the, um, tail end of development is my creativity for problem solving was happening around 3 AM. So I'd be like, I'd be asleep and then I'd just, or I'd not be able to sleep really well. And I'd kind of toss and turn and wake Mm -hmm. up a little bit. And then I'd get an idea and I go, oh, well, that might be a solution to something. And so then I would start thinking about it. I'm like, all right, well, I'm not, I'm not going to sleep. So I would get up and I literally, I'd pace in the dark in the living room until I like finally figured everything out and I'd be writing stuff down. And then I'd like, once I kind of had it all figured out, I have like, stuff for like book of blood where if it's a time crunch specifically, I tend to do that a lot because my brain will be like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And then there's just entire, like this whole thing pretty much is just jottings from 3am about book of blood. So it's, uh, it's just when that stuff happens, you can't, you can't really control it too much. You can supposedly train it, but I, I suck at doing that. So, yeah. And, and you, you brought up a, you brought up a great point of like, being able to not allow that to pull you away from what you're working on. Cause I think that's so easy to do. It's so easy to just be like, all right, I'm working on this one thing specifically. And in something you talked about in offline, it's like, take the, take the one thing, you know, you can take a bite of and just work on that thing. Even though you might have this grand vision, like work on that. And at the same time, like you said, you get into the thick of it and you're kind of like, but man, it would be cool if I had this guy with wings that was just kind of flying <laughs> around the room, you know, it's like, no, so go back, go back to what you were doing, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, there's different permutations of it, right? Because there's like stuff for other projects where you take your note and you leave it. And then there's other things that could form into feature creep on your current game if you're not careful, you know? Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of keeping yourself in check, like to make sure you don't work on another project, to make sure you don't get distracted by some other thing, to make sure you don't decide to add some new thing that puts a ton of work in and and adds new like content or work that isn't necessarily great for the game like this is all kinds of stuff that you can get distracted by do you have uh anything in in i mean it could be any of your games i guess but if you're going through it and you look at it you're like oh yeah i was watching a lot of this movie at this time uh you know i I can see where my influence was from this came in because i was so i get more of that with um like I'll, I'll watch 
sometimes I'll, I'll hit things and then I'll watch like a movie once or twice um, just to like be a refresher on things. Mm -hmm. But usually like the thing that comes back to me when I look at old work mainly is music. It's like whatever I was listening to at the time. Mm -hmm. um, like I can think of right now, like it, it came back to me as uh, like Marshes of Madness in um, Warhammer is all disturbed. Oh. <laughs> back uh back in the early aughts where yeah. it was still popular you sure. know uh, <clears throat> yeah it's like i'd be up until like two in the morning uh working in the in my little cubicle on that zone and just on repeat playing disturbed just not even listening i mean it's all the same song anyway sure. so you put on the cd and you just you got an hour of the same thing going so it's like you know, that would play on repeat. And then anytime I would see it, like I would just immediately, my brain flashes to sitting in the cubicle, listening to Disturb, getting coffee. And, and, and like those flashes happen when I see, uh, when I see my work, like I'll, I'll look back at it and something will, I don't have like a concrete, like, oh yeah, I was totally doing this thing at that time. I get flashes of experiences, I guess, or feelings. I don't know. It's, it's mm -hmm. weird because I'll look at it and yeah, maybe, maybe a song, like not the actual song, but just like the, the kind of the idea of it will flash in my head real quick and like some surrounding memories that it's just like a, a weird moment in time associated with that game or that specific part of that game. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that's, that's really what, what comes back to me. There isn't a ton of like, um, like when I did, uh, when I did the subject, I wasn't watching alien, but I was looking at tons of alien reference for, uh, the environment. Like I was, I took a bunch of, uh, like the Nostromo is like a ton of the, the hallways and everything in there. Yeah. That smooth, so, like, yeah, yeah, like a lot, a lot of, a <laughs> lot of, a lot of a horizontal lining, like. And a lot of stuff that's like that plastic molding looking mm. stuff and everything. It's like so much so because I, I love that stuff. I, sure. I like uh, I like 80s sci-fi. Mm. Um, and so, so much so that someone accused me of like ripping assets from the alien game that had come out. I think isolation. Isolation. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, well, that is extremely flattering. <laughs> but no, I made all of this. <laughs> and, uh, I, I had like all the Twitch like VODs and everything that I shared to be like, see, no, I totally, I made all this. I didn't steal it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so there's definitely like, I think now while I'm working on games, it's really tough for me to have something that I'm watching while working because I switch gears from code to art to level building yeah. and all that stuff so often if I'm doing art, I can have a movie on nonstop and have it on loop. It doesn't distract me too much, but sure. code, I can't have anything that has lyrics. I can't have anything that has dialogue because I'm trying to type code out. So it's like, it like messes. I think it exists in the same brain functions or something, or there's yeah. an overlap because my brain's just like, ah, what am I trying to say? So then I have to just listen to like, um, uh, was it master boot record or master something boot like that? Record, yeah. Yeah. Where it's just like, crunchy computer sex noises and right. like what i would listen to while i while i'm developing for the most part i always think about the fact that like if if when i was in high school and college if i just had like master boot record or any of the heavy dark synth stuff that's out now like it would have been so much better for me because i am the same way as soon as i put on anything with lyrics 
it's like that's where my mind starts listening to that. I was like, okay, let me let me let me analyze this, and I can't. I have to have silence when I read. Like it's just one of those things. Otherwise, I'm reading the same. You ever figure out? Oh, I just read this page five times and I still don't know what it says. Like, yeah, yeah. I hate well, that I, feeling. That's what I'm saying. I think there's there's a portion of your brain that just takes in dialogue and it crunches it the same way it it brings in text mm. and, and crunches that right. So it's like because. I, I guess there's some piece there that's the same because, yeah, I'll like I'll constantly if, if I have a video on or something and I jump into code real quick, I'll like get one line in and then be like, what, what am I saying? What am I doing? What is this? No, what am I? Ah. <laughs> and I'll, have to, I'll have to close everything and just be in silence and think for a second. Yeah, I, I feel too like it's 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 just one of i i just i don't know i have to have that like when i was studying or anything like that just it had to be i mean really the only thing you had was like in like instrumental rock which sucks and like you know or or classical and you're just kind of like all right i guess i'm just gonna sit here in silence but if anyone's even people just having a conversation in the same room i'm just kind of like i i start listening to their problems and i'm like i can't deal with this get right out. now yeah, get out i need a <laughs> silence room um one thing that uh, that I've noticed just through playing your games over the years um, was uh, that the the stories are always really good too. Like you have some that aren't quite, you know, you have some that aren't super story intensive, but you have some that are. Obviously, Mortuary Assistant has like a really dark and crazy underlying story to it about the main character. Um, but even something for like like even something that's not quite as complex as Mortuary Assistant, like Inner. Right. Like you're you're oh, yeah. learning little you're learning little pieces of information about the character or about what's what happened here. Right. Um, do you do do you feel like you do all the writing or I say, do you feel like do you do all the writing ahead of time or does that kind of develop as you're doing as you're developing the game? It's a little column A, a little column B. I kind of wish I did more up front than I currently do. That's something I'm always trying to grow on. But um yeah, usually I'll have like a large idea and I'll kind of figure out the pieces to it of like, I basically come up with a, a basically a story start to end in my, in my head, mm. but it's very like very high level there. There aren't like, it's just major beats. It's like an outline. Right. And mm. I'll, I'll have that idea. Um, and I might write some of it out. I might just start making something. And then as I go, I may hit something where I'm like, well, do I want to, uh, what what's what's happening here that I didn't think about. Right. And I'll, I'll kind of like have to go back and flesh it out a little more. Um, but for something like uh, mortuary assistant, where I've got a lot of character stuff going on, um, I have these ideas like I originally like Rebecca's story I had right away. Mm -hmm. Like I knew that I needed a protagonist with a dark past so I would have creepy stuff to pull from when I wanted to make uh, spooky things happen around the player, right? Um, so I knew I was going to be going uh, pretty heavy with with her story. But then from there, as I started building those things, I realized that, you know, obviously, why is this stuff happening? And that was a secondary thing that I had some justification for earlier, but that sort of took on a different shape over time as I wanted to include Raymond more into it. Mm. Um, because originally it was all Rebecca centric. And then I was like, well, 
there can be more to this. And that became more and more about Raymond and then the things going on in the mortuary and that sort of unraveled. But each each beat, each thing became like, a, I'm going to sit down and think this out and write stuff down. And, and then I'd get my 3 a.m. thing where I then finally plug in the missing piece. That's like, oh, OK, there's the whole story. That's how I solve that. So it's definitely like. I don't go in blind, like I know what I want to make mm-hmm. and I know the story I want to tell because I really like I like story driven things, um, clearly, because that's what I like to make. Right. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but um, I still. I still leave some things uh, sort of unexplored um, until I sort of reach those points in the game. And some of that's on purpose. And some of that, like I said, I wish I would do a little more at the beginning. Um, but some of it's on purpose because the gameplay might dictate something else. You know, I may have a story idea and then I realize there's this mechanic I want to do or a certain approach I want to take to the game. And then the story doesn't quite unfold properly if I follow that. So I go, okay, well now I need to retell a piece of this story in order to make it work, you know? Yeah. And I guess too, Um, especially if you're teaching, if you're revealing that in pieces too, is, is, Mm -hmm. is kind of a challenge, I'm sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because I've noticed, like, I mean, I've just kind of noticed that skill developing as I've played your games. And and honestly, it's like there's there's some moments in in Mortuary System where you're just kind of like, holy shit, like like draw drop moments where you're like, oh, my God, like that's yeah. <laughs> and it makes you feel something. Right. And like I know part of that, you know, a lot of that is writing, but some of that, too, is like voice acting and, and just having the right people. Oh, man, to, great voice actors. Dude, it's it's incredible. Oh. Like what so so i mean i know you've obviously dealt with voice acting before having dealt with all the stuff you dealt with in the past but like how much direction did you have to give like when you were talking to these people to read these lines for you some (laughs) um i mean not not a whole lot because i'm i was very very blessed you know adam bennett is amazing um it it's uh melissa um or uh, why my brain? Okay. Oh no. No, it's all right. So bad. It's so bad. <laughs> you got a lot going on, man. You got a lot going on. I know, I know, I know, but, but it's not fair. But while, well, while you look listen, it up, listen to Dino, listen to Dino. Okay. There you go. Um, okay. No, I, I, I had, I could stop looking it up right away. Cause I, I finally, my brain got over it. There right. Right. Both of them extremely talented. Obviously the other, other actors as well. Um, Eileen England, uh, Autumn Ivy, they're all fantastic. Um, I was very, very fortunate to find these people. Uh, but I mean, you know, part of it is you're, you're weeding through a bunch of different people to try and find the right sound. Um, and someone, you know, you're listening to their reel, you're trying to make sure they can kind of hit the notes you're looking for emotionally. Um, and then on top of that, the way that I do dialogue, um, I try to give as much direction in the script as possible. Mm. Um, I, instead of just giving like, here's a line, here's a line, here's a line, here's a line. I approach dialogue the same way you would write a movie script. Um, so I write the dialogue and I have the the characters, like the their names and their dialogue and in the process of like the, the piece. And then there's descriptors of like, you know, from what I see happening, I say so-and-so walks across the room or, or this, you know, the door opens or it's this time of day or this, like I'm trying to give as much emotional and environmental information as possible so that way they have everything that they 
could hopefully possibly need mm. to work with it. And so from there, they'll do some takes. They might come back with some questions, but uh, it's really been like they'll do uh, a few takes of each line. And there's only been a handful of times that I've kicked stuff back and be like, hey, could you take, could you do this take again? Um, maybe with with a little more of this or a little more of that. Um, now, after that point, I have to pick all the cuts that I like and string them together um, in audacity, right? So mm -hmm. it's like I'm taking, uh, like I've, I've done some weird things where I've taken half a word and another half of a word and like blended them together to try to get the inflection that I want for something um, just because I, it's easier for me to try that real quick than to go back through the whole process. Right. Um, and so I would do stuff like that and I would take, uh, you know, this, this take over here, that take over there and run it all together until it sounded the way I imagined it sounding. Um, and then if I have a conversation going on, I've got to do the same thing for the other and then play them together and make sure it sounds like they're having a natural conversation. Cause it's like, you know, as a solo developer, I don't have money to go to like a, a studio and have them fly <laughs> them all out to record together. Right? right. So, uh, it's like, I gotta, I gotta take what they do in a vacuum and what another person does in a vacuum and try to make it sound natural together. But it's not just on me. It's the fact that, you know, um, Adam and Melissa had worked together on stuff before mm -hmm. and, uh, they are at least familiar with each other's styles and, uh, and their sounds. So, um, like Adam Bennett was really awesome cause he was like, Hey, can you send me Melissa's takes so that I can, you know, kind of work off of them and everything. And that was a fantastic way to kind of kick out the, the middleman and be like, okay, well we can't record together, but at least you can record reactively. Right. Yeah. And, uh, that was really important for the ending where they're, um, having some beef over the basement. Right. And, mm -hmm. uh, like to sound like they're actually arguing, but so much of that is just the fact that they are extremely skilled and yeah. they very do pro, a fantastic job. very yeah. oh, pro yeah. sounding. Like great. it was just, I, I mean, when, you know, going through any of the scenes, I'm just kind of like, God damn. Like, I'll just be talking to Shadow, be like, God damn, it sounds great. Like, it's so good. Like, <laughs> they, they, they do such a good job. Because you would think, especially in a lot of those situations, like you were talking about, that they would be in the same room together. You know, that they would be, you know, talking this back and forth. And, um, I mean, it makes sense, obviously, to listen to other person's takes. But, man, it's just so well done. Very, it came off very, very pro. Very pro. Um, well, yeah, good. Because it's a really <laughs> weird, like... It's a weird mix of like their acting and kind of my acting because sure. I'm like shoving it together to to work mm -hmm. and uh, and so it's 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 really a bizarre um, kind of kind of mix of everything. I mean, it's fun, but uh, it's it's different. I think it'd probably be easier if they could be in the same room and I could just be like, eh, try arguing again, right? In, yeah, in, in this way. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, and I know uh, you know just as well as you like. It was sitting down and being like, all right, let's edit this audio for the next however many days. Like, it just sounds like a wow, wow, After a while, you're like, I don't even know if I heard that right. I don't, did I hear yeah. that right? Like, I have no idea because you're just like, you want that inflection and you're like, am I getting it or am I just imagining I've got it? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's like also just like the, the sheer volume of like um, the amount of times I'm listening to things where it's just like, it's an emotional scene mm. and I'm just listening to the same three words over and over and over again, connecting them, trying to get the pacing right and yeah. everything. And it, 
at some point I'm just like, oh my God, this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> this is this isn't emotional. This isn't there's no feeling here. Not right. in the actors, but in my writing, right? Or just sure. like it's again that like I've heard it so much where I'm just like, this is dumb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're talking back to the actors. You're like, oh, are you sad? Are you you're just getting you're arguing with them? You're like, are you really sad? Because you don't sound like it. Um <laughs> that's that's really funny. Cause uh, I mean, obviously the audio is huge for me, like just because mm-hmm. of radio and stuff like that. And just the, we, we talked a little bit about it in offline, like just the, getting the sounds for any of the, any of the process of messing with the body, you know, the, like I said before, the squelching, the crunching, like all that stuff is just anytime there, there's one person in my chat. Every time I do the, uh, start to put in the anchors for the wiring, the mouth shut, they're like, Oh God. Oh God, it's so hollow and crunchy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was really trying to make sure I got a, like, like making sound. I, Cause I agree. Sound is extremely important. Especially, especially uh, it's like when you're trying to build an atmosphere that people yeah. can get sucked into, like if the sound sucks, they're going to get pulled out instantly, you know? So it's like, there's things where, you know, you, you bring up the, um, the jaw wiring, like the, the needle injector, that's like, that's like six different sounds that I was cutting together and blending because I really wanted this like mix between like a stapler and a nail gun mm. and just like this really chunky like as you're trying to do the things, but also get that smacky, that higher pitch smacky sound of like driving something into like, ah. like your, your ah, I give my gold star. It's just weird just <laughs> yeah. thinking about it. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's just like doing it doing that where you're going through a million different like sound effects and some stuff you've recorded yourself and and like trying yeah. to blend it all together like that all it takes a long time but it's i think it's really important i think it's a huge part of what sells something so yeah i totally agree i, I will freely give this uh this idea away to anyone out there that's watching this go in and just put cartoon sounds over the top of all of this and just make a cut scene of like <laughs> boing, like when they're just like stapling the the wiring the jaw shut and stuff like that just anything um, you know there's a um there's a clip on twitch from when i was doing i was i was making some of the original uh haunting events and i have the uh cold storage door slamming and I didn't have a sound effect, so I just recorded myself saying slam real quick. And uh, and so there's just I ran it and it's just this clip of like slam, 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 slam over and over and over again. And like there's so many things where I just do silly sound effects while I'm doing it because that's just the way my brain is working when right. I'm streaming where I'm doing something. I'm like making sound effects for stuff and I keep people keep saying that I need to make a game where I just do all the sound effects myself. And uh, I think think that'd be awesome to do. And I keep I keep saying that it would be great to do. And then I don't have time to do it. So I really I really, really, really want to get to doing it once uh, once I'm back from PAX. I think it'd be fun just to do something silly like that. Even just like a mini, like just some sort of mini game where you got to get a few things done. Oh, it would remind remind me of something like uh, Robot Chicken or something like that. You know, Man, that's uh, that's that's incredible. So good. Um, but yeah, the the sound thing. I think I think a lot of people, and it's, it's super important for, like you said, atmosphere, especially in horror. Like to hear, to hear that little sound and be like, what? And it makes you the sounds that make you look to where it's coming from. Like, and then yeah. the scare is there, and you're like, oh, that's fucking brilliant. Like it's just like you, <laughs> just, you hear a little <sighs> above you, and you're like, ah, and then you just all of a sudden there's you know the mimic is sh- sitting there just like. 
well, staring at you. What's another like very important part of that is the silence where it's like making like the game isn't silent. There's 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 no point where I have it be completely silent unless I'm trying to be impactful by just pulling everything away. Mm-hmm. But um, there's always some sort of room tone or like uh, there's the storm rolling in the background all the time. But there's a lot of effort put into trying to make an environment that has noise so you don't feel bored, but it fades in the back enough that you feel like you're just in this quiet environment Mm -hmm. so that when you do hear a noise, it does jump out at you, right? So there's this really weird middle ground you try to hit of like enough noise so that people don't feel like they need to put spooky music on on their stream for themselves uh, because it's too quiet um and like just having way too much like i've got ambient music i've got all sorts of sounds going on so when things happen you don't realize right so it's like you're trying to you're trying to walk this line of something that pulls you in so that when you do sounds that are meant to be impactful they're impactful right 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 yeah and it's i i think that you're you're yeah it's it's so subtle that like even just a person who's not paying attention for it just would never notice that like they're like oh Oh, it's good. It's like a sleight of hand. Like I always tell people, like I, that's the one thing I kept saying in my in my stream when we were uh, when we were playing the demo and a little bit when we were playing the full release. Like I was like, he's so good at sleight of hand. Like you get comfortable. Like you do the thing where you you there's a there's a small scare and then you're like, okay, that's done. And then it's like a big scare happens after that and you're like, ah, yeah. those are my favorite <laughs> clips yeah. that people post up on Twitter where they're like, oh my god, oh god, and they're like. Ah! Like it just happens again right after. Yeah, yeah, I love this. I think one of my favorite ones is the um, woman in white in the black doorway. Mm. Um, it's like I've seen so many people. They like round the corner, and they see the face, and like, oh my god! And she goes away into the dark. And I'm like, oh, thank god. Okay, but they're like kind of inching because it's all black in there, and they yeah. know, like, they know that, like, they have this feeling of like, oh, something's gonna grab me. But I don't have many things that do that. Yeah. So that for this reason, for when it does happen, you're like, ah, you know, that's, I love that stuff so much. It's so great to see. Yeah. There's a, there's a cool thing too, that I've been noticing just because like, I'll just, if there's a night where I don't feel like starting anything new or something like that, I'm just like, let's just work on some bodies and just talk shit. And, um, you know, when, when you kind of go on that autopilot of just like, all right, I'm going to go take the, take the embalming report to the front and we're going to do this. And, you know, you're just running back and forth, getting the, getting the task done. Right. And then like you're you're in the middle of maybe saying something or just like, all right, I'm going to take the and then all of a sudden you just get grabbed and drug across the floor for a second and nothing else happens. And it just startles you and pulls you out of that like lull of this is, you know, you you can't ever get too comfortable in being like, all right, we're just going to chill out and run these real quick, run these bodies. It's really it's a really cool thing. That was the aim of uh, of everything I was trying to do with the haunt system, right? Was I really wanted to do something where people felt like they weren't safe, you know, like yeah. they've always got to be looking over their shoulder because the goal, the thing that I was trying to head for was the feeling that you get when you like go into a dark room or go into a basement or something, you're all by yourself and you get that little feeling on the back of your, your neck or whatever. Yeah. It's like, I wanted that, like I wanted a video game equivalent of that or mm-hmm. at least try to, to get that where you know they they've experienced things just staring at them before yeah so now they're just like oh my god there's always something behind me (laughs) that's what i really was trying to hit and and it seems like it seems like most people uh experience that so that's uh 
that's really nice to see too. It's really, it's really great to see the things play out the way that I hope they would, right? It's, it's great when all the things line up properly mm. and someone gets all the right, like they do the right things to trigger different parts of the scare that make <laughs> yeah. it unfold in a really good way. Ah, I love seeing it. It's so awesome. It's yeah, it is. And, and just the fact that everyone, we talked about in the last show, like everyone gets that different, just a slightly different variation. They're not getting a different main story or anything like that, but mm -hmm. like they're getting a slightly different variation. So even like if you're watching someone play something you've already done, like you still get that. Holy shit, that scared me because I was, you know, I just that didn't <laughs> happen to me. Um, yeah. So it's it's really cool to see uh, that in that 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 unsettling nature of it all. Um, do uh, so one thing I've noticed um, with Mortuary Assistant. Because I've played, you know, I've played pretty much, I think I've played most, if not all, your other games. Just a little bit, even if I didn't beat them, right? Um, <clears throat> like the, I'll, I'll let everyone know this. Brian is not a, I'm going to give you the way to beat my game guy. <laughs> like, you're going to have to and traditionally really work for it. Um, I think you did a good balance in, in Mortuary System of being like, all right, this is, you can get the objective done, but there are still things that you got to work to find. Whereas I think something like... Uh, our secret below, like it was really a, all right, I really have to pay attention. Like I really have to be looking through things to find out what that's like. Was that something with mortuary system? Was that like more of a, all right, I need to, I want this to, to be something that a lot of people enjoy. So I don't want to make it so hard that it turns people off. Well, I've always wanted things to be more accessible. Um, some of that is just the the programming skill set stuff where it's like as I got more skilled, I was able to provide more ways to uh, to properly teach people things. And I mean, it's a little different for our secret below because it is an escape room. It's mm. meant to be um, it's meant to be that way a bit where you're you're like you're waking up in this weird place and you've got to pick the, I was trying to be more like if you actually woke up in a basement and had to go through somebody's stuff, yeah. you wouldn't have any clue what's going on. Right. And so I was trying to mirror that to some degree while still giving you a, a way to learn like the basics by like, you know, you're moving the rag to realize you can interact with things, figure out how to pick something up and mm -hmm. like just all the usual things. Um, but mortuary assistant, you know, I was, I was, Every every time you make a game, you realize the things that people don't pick up. And so for this, I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to go full in. I'm just going to tell them how to do stuff. There's not going to be any like because there's going to be plenty with the haunt system and the story and, and side things that. And I've got a lot to cover because they need to know how to embalm a body and they need to know the premise for the game itself, like the, the banishment stuff. Yeah. So just the nature of how much I need to teach um, led to a lot more like trying to make it as accessible as possible without feeling like you're in a tutorial for a half hour, mm -hmm. you know, and that's that's a weird balance to try to hit. Um, which is why I kind of broke it up into the embalming first, which has a lot more tutorial-y stuff with like all the little yellow frames and pointy arrow things and all that sort of stuff. Um, just because that's a completely foreign thing for people. Like, yeah. you know, people don't embalm bodies and I'm using terminology that is like the actual tools and stuff. People don't know what those things are. So it's like, 
It's really important to be like, this is exactly what you do so that that knowledge is there and out of the way for when I bring them into the full game where I now need to teach them the game itself. Mm -hmm. And so that's why like the, the, um, embalming in the beginning, the tutorial feels very tutorially so that the tutorial that comes after doesn't feel as tutorially, right. <laughs> you know, cause that's why there's like story mixed in with it. You go in the doors lock, you get the bit of story and like, I kind of break it up with some of the spooky stuff and everything. And some of the stuff you can figure out at your leisure with the tapes and the night shift database. And that's where that, like giving as many avenues to learn things as possible came in. Because I gave the step-by-step on the night shift database so Mm -hmm. you knew what you needed to do. I gave you all the tapes so you knew what you needed to do. And then the phone calls tell you what you need to do. So that way there's a million places that the player can go and get information on what to do. And within the night shift database, there's also like how all the tools work and all that sort of stuff. So that way... um, you know, you're, you're still learning at the, in like the way you want to learn. And it feels like you're done with the tutorial too, at, at the same time. So that's, that was a really like tough thing to try to hit. Um, but yeah, it's definitely something that I think I'm going to keep trying to grow on and be as good as possible with moving forward with other titles. Cause I think it's just onboarding is super important. Like yeah. you want people to enjoy your game. So you need to get the how out, um, and, and done with. And that's something that, you know, I think my previous titles suffer from to a degree less, less so for our secret below, um, less so for Kohei and it's like, or, or more so or whatever. And it goes, goes kind of down to the subject where it's, it's much more complicated, you know, and, and very little information. Yeah. I noticed um, the big jump in from the subject to Kohei, like that was, you know, that yeah. subject is very much a, and, and I, and I feel like it's, it's honestly, it, it's brilliant in a way that it's like you would be that way if you were put in that situation. You wouldn't sure, know what to yeah. press. You wouldn't know where to go. Like, And it, it makes sense. And I think that the thing that's different, and this is what I was talking to um, my friend who was actually playing the game tonight before we got started, like the, the thing that's, that's different is now you're, you're having to also take into account people who could be streaming this. And then all of yeah. a sudden they're starting to play it and they're just kind of like, you know, they get it, they get to a puzzle and they're just kind of like, I don't know what to do. You know, I'm yeah. like, I'm stuck, you know, well, um, the subject like wasn't built with any of that in mind. Right. The yeah. subject was built as a, like, I know how to program enough to try and make a game. Now let me make a game. Right. And so that's why like the subject is very clearly my first game. If you play it and you can see the progression in my, in my titles, I think. Mm-hmm. So it's like, that doesn't mean the subject is bad. Um, it's definitely not the strongest, obviously, but it's just, it's just obviously my first game, but, um, there's, there is something to that. Yeah. You're being dropped in there and you just have to figure it out. Unfortunately, it doesn't work great for playing a game, right? Broad broad appeal. Yeah. 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 And it's like, there has to be a degree of that. If you want to be able to keep making games, you gotta, you got to have more people playing it. And so it's got to be more accessible. And that's why like, I'm kind of, I'm shifting with each title where I'm trying to be more user-friendly with the beginning learning experience and things like puzzles, like the really complicated stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to step away from that and have that be existing solely for side content, like unlocking alternate endings, getting more lore and stuff like that. Like, you know, the, like all the basement is not necessary to beat the game. You could, someone could 
play the game and get all the other endings without ever going down into the basement, right? Um, now that's not a huge puzzle. It's a it's a lock thing, but it's it's the only time I would do a puzzle. If I were gonna do like you got to collect things and put these things here and rotate them and do weird stuff, like it would be to get into a room that gives you some extra stuff or some extra lore or right. something special. So that way, if someone misses it and they beat the game, they still beat the game and feel like they they did something. But they'll be like, well, what was that door about? What was that thing, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe they want to come back. And then the puzzle is no longer like in the subject where it's a gating thing and you're like, what do I do? This is stupid. I don't want to play anymore. It goes from that to I really want to solve this to get to this thing, whatever it is. I don't know what's behind this. I don't know what's in this box, but I got to find out. Right. And that's that's the direction I'm going is trying to make the broader game more user friendly. And then the more difficult things are rewards, you know. Yeah, you give them that little corner to pick at. Like after they're bought in, like they're like, oh, man, I'm having a great time with this game. Now they're like, well, what is this? Like, what, how, how can I open this thing? Like, you know, there, there was stuff I was finding after multiple runs of, of mortuary system. And I was like, no one told me this was here. What is this thing? Like, you know, it's stuff like that. And um, I don't know. I think it's I, I think that when I talk about the subject to people like and, and I'm like, I really love that game. And. But when people are like, oh, would this be great for me to stream? I was like, I don't know. Like, it, maybe it wouldn't. Like, honestly, I put it more on a level of something like uh, The Room or Mist, where, like, you're trying to, like, figure things out with no help. And so if yeah. you're ready for that, sure, like, stream it. But I've always looked at the subject, even after streaming it, like, as something I can put on in the dark and just go poke around at things. Like, go yeah, find go find the switches. Go find all that stuff. and. That's not necessarily, you know, everybody's bag, but some people just love that. Like, don't tell me anything, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think there's, I think there's value there, but the problem is I, I think that's falling out of fashion a lot, yeah. you know, like, cause that's, that's the, it's funny you mentioned mist. Cause that's the approach that I was taking for the subject where I was like, I'm going to make something that just, you don't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it sounds, and that sounds great. It sounds fun when you're the one creating it and everything makes sense. You're like, yeah, this is great. But then someone jumping into the game, not knowing anything, you realize how obtuse some things are Mm. where it's like you've made something that doesn't seem complex to you because you created the entire thing. Right. But some people will sit down and they'll have no clue. And you could make something that you think is the simplest puzzle in the world. Book of Blood, the way to solve the book is insanely simple, but people have a tendency to overthink. And they're going to make it more complex than it already is. So that's something to take into account when you're doing like a puzzle or something is that it really doesn't need to be that complex because people are already coming at it not knowing anything. So yeah. not knowing anything is a huge tool in something being difficult. So it's uh, I, I think that's where the subject is just like, you know, kind of ultra hard mode and where Cohate became sort of the subject light in that. You know, you're mainly collecting stuff and trying to figure certain things out to make your way to the end. There's a lot more lore. It's more focused on like uh, there's a lot more explanation Mm. um, and everything. There's there's a lot more uh, onboarding just to try and make that experience more user friendly. Um, And again, that's part of that that progression because it came after our secret below because it was like a little thing before Halloween. So each yeah. each title has a bit more of that, like, hey, buddy, you want to play a game? 
here's how you can do it. You know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Do you feel like, uh, I mean, I, I don't know, like, I, cause I've talked to a lot of people who play a lot of horror games. Like, do you feel like you've done something really different with mortuary assistant that, you, that hasn't been messed with before? Like the RNG of it, the replayability of it, like, cause the, the not a lot of horror games have a good re replayability value like it sometimes that's that's so tough because it's like some people tell me that <laughs> and mm. uh it's like i i know that that's what i have tried to do i uh, i'm not someone who can sit here and be like oh yeah i've totally done something unique right like i just i all i know is that i have i have tried my best to do something that I, I, my goal is to try and bring something that could possibly be somewhat fresh to the horror space yeah, in yeah. The indie horror space. Right? right. And so that's why I wanted to do something that had a lot of replayability, but also I really focused on how the haunting events happen, the reactionary stuff, the things that I do with screen detection and like the, the things to like read what the player is doing and check against the the circumstances that different events require and see if they're met and and like fire them in a way that will feel natural and feel like you're discovering these things um that stuff i i do think is is different um but it's really tough for me as an individual to even even if i thought it for a second it's tough for me to admit that it's yeah. something unique you know um but i I do think it is done something. It resonates with people in some way. And I just know what I set out to do. And I think it's up to, up to other people to decide if that's what I've accomplished, you know? Yeah. And I'll let you know when I was, when I was writing this question down, I was like, how do I put this in a way where I'm not like, what is it like to re imagine a whole genre of horror <laughs> you just redefined everything um because i mean i think it's just it's there's there's a little subtlety to it like there's a there's a subtle like thing that's just kind of like oh so it's got that like odd like as soon as you wrap up a shift you're like all right let's go do another one like it's it's like that perfect there's like the time to it like there's a there's a time in which you can get through a shift you can make it as long i mean you can make it as long as you want to an extent otherwise you just die right so it's like yeah you know you just kind of have to you know take it for what it is but like it's it's just cool because i've never really seen a, a situation where i'm like okay let's just I, I just finished layers of fear let's start a new game like it's like, like you just yeah. don't do that right it's like this hours and hours um yeah the the let it ride concept um yeah yeah i i really um the whole focusing on different shift stuff actually came a little bit later because um, I was like, I was trying to do all this story stuff and everything. And then I decided to do the story fragments mm. um, where it's like you get a, a different one each time because I was trying to really lean into the concept that I had already taken with the haunt system where you get different hauntings each time. Um, so even the story, I was like, well, you can sort of collect it. And as you replay it, you'll you'll get more pieces and learn a little bit more. And uh, that was once I decided to do that, I was like, well, I should really start focusing then on like my whole goal is to have people to come back to the mortuary and work another shift. Let's let's focus on that and show like, OK, instead of new game, we're calling it a new shift and we're we're going to start. I decided to start recording uh, different stats from all the things that you've done and like start to visualize the different endings that you can get and uh, just those little things started to help really, um, I think, solidify with people uh, that you're meant to play this more. And that's what mm -hmm. I was trying to do was to communicate that my intention is for you to keep 
replaying this. Yeah. And uh, that was, like I said, that was something that came a little bit later in development. But um, yeah, it was, I think it ended up being the right call because I was taking a risk already with a short play time. Yeah. And so when you do something like that, like obviously the session is short, but the overall like content worth of gameplay is, is, you know, quite a bit. It's anywhere from 10 to 12 hours, right? Um, somewhere in there. So you really need to communicate with people that that's how it's meant to be played. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a weird line to tread, right? Cause I feel like a lot of people, especially right now, people who, who play games mainly on steam or something like that, where they're kind of like, all right, so how, how many hours of content? Like, how, how long is yeah. it going to take? I had that question, like, how long is it going to take me to beat this? And I'm like, well, it depends on what you define beating. Like, you're talking about finishing the, like, getting through a shift and getting, you know, part of the story, or you're talking about getting all the endings, you're talking about getting all the secrets. Like, it depends yeah. because to me, like, to me, the value in, in the game is the ability to go back and play again and still not have to go through the same because we've all played through, we've all got those games that we'll play multiple times through, and we know, all right, this guy comes out here, blah, 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 you know, and, and, and you brought that, like that aspect of, you know, maybe he won't, maybe he will, maybe someone new yeah. is going to show up, you know, it's, yeah, it's, I think, I, I think you can start to like, after a lot of playthroughs, I think you can start to pick up on like something, like you get a feeling of like something might happen soon and mm -hmm. kind of like what things might be kind of tied to. But because of a lot of the other factors, yeah, I mean, there's a reason that I still get caught off guard even mm -hmm. while developing it. It's like I'll be I'll be testing something and forget that the haunt system's on and I'll end up catching myself off guard because <laughs> I, I had no idea that something was going to happen. So it's like it's still that's the hope was to go beyond the story and mm -hmm. go beyond like the things that are the end of the game. Right. The hope was that you would want to come back and just work a night in the mortuary. That's that's really what I want to try to hit. And uh, that's, you know, new modes that are going to be coming out where I do like a non-story mode where you just do the, uh, you just get the hauntings. Um, so it's more like a day in the life for uh, Rebecca after she's sort of come to terms with everything and experienced everything the demons have to offer. Um, you can kind of go into that mode. Uh, just Just things that like, let you kind of experience this environment in the way that you want and want to come back to the mortuary in terms of like also the embalming only mode that I want to do. Like just, just things where you can kind of play around in the, in the universe a little bit. Yeah. Almost like a chill mode kind of thing where it's just kind of yeah, like, yeah. all right, cool. We can do this. Um, well, let, let's take a quick break. I got to use the bathroom terribly. Um, <laughs> and, uh, we'll do, we'll do a couple more, um, questions from the living and then we'll, we'll get out of here after that all right, all right. sounds awesome good right. give me just a second all right let's get some of these questions from from the living for the living for and from yeah for and from to and fro right um from the living uh i, I reached out to my community as well as uh people on twitter to see what they had to ask uh brian about um and the first one comes from uh, a buddy of mine in my twitch community rocket robo bear asks how do you handle criticism or do you handle it at all? Do you just look past it? Um, a little bit. So, um, <laughs> there's, there's always going to be people that dislike things and, um, you have to kind of ignore some of that. Uh, really, you know, some, some criticism has great 
uh, constructive feedback that you can use right away. And you're like, that's a really good idea. But a lot of it, when you're talking about a game that's out in the wild, um, you kind of need to wait and see if there's a bulk of that same feedback. So if someone is like, this game sucks because X, I mean, even if they use harsh language, um, I usually try to take what they're saying and, and note it. And then if more people have that same feedback and then more people have that same feedback, it's like, okay, there's a problem that needs to be addressed, right? Um, but I mean, one person that's saying your game sucks and it needs to change because of this, it's really easy, especially as like a smaller developer to see that stuff and be like, oh my God, I need to change this so that they're happy. I need everybody to be happy, right? And uh, it could just be one person that had a bad experience. And even if it, it's tough, because even if they're um, even if they're having the worst experience and their game is crashing and they're having all this stuff, I mean, yeah, you need to look into why those crashes are happening. But if those crashes are not happening for 99% of people, um, there's only so much you can do and only so much that you can focus on, right? So you kind of have to take that with a grain of salt and like put it in the back of your mind of like, okay, let me make a note of this issue. So if it comes up again, I can maybe get repro steps from that person too and try to fix this problem because problems obviously need to be fixed. But uh, some people just be mean <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that you just have to ignore. Um, there are other people that, you know, they're angry in their feedback because they're passionate about the game. Mm -hmm. I've seen that a lot too. Um, and my approach for most of it is just killing with kindness where uh, I get a lot of messages where they're like, man, how did you, I couldn't handle something like that. I, I would be so upset like right away and everything. And it's like, well, you know, you just gotta, it's, it's a public service industry at that point where you're like, I'm really sorry you're experiencing that. Um, can you give me your machine information? Can you give me this? Can you give me that? Um, you know, these, these are the plans that I have for the future, uh, which would address these things. I can't do it right now because X, you know, it's like, you really just try to be as like, as personable as possible and respectful as possible. Because at the end of the day, these people are upset, uh, because they spent their hard earned money on something and they're feeling they're not getting their value out of it. And as much as it may hurt to get feedback, that's really harsh. Mm. Um, that's still something very valid that I think you need to take to heart is that <clears throat> while they're not always great at realizing there's a person on the other end of the game, sure. um, it's important to realize that there is a person that has spent their money to buy your game and you then have a responsibility to make sure that it's a good experience for as many people as possible. And you're not gonna be able to please everybody. People are going to be pissed like that. That happens. Right. But any any criticism, you know, again, you got to look at it in bulk to, to see if you're getting legitimate criticism um, or if you are, you just need to handle it in a professional way because that's the only way that it's going to turn around. Because some of those people that, again, I said they can be upset because they're passionate. Um, if you can please them in some way, they can turn around to become some of your most hardcore advocates. Yeah. So you, you never know. And that's why it's important to be nice to all of them. That kind of echoes something that uh, when I had games with death on a couple of weeks ago, it kind of echoes what he was talking about when people come in and they've got like, they're like, this sucks because of this. So yeah, what you're doing sucks because of this. Like he tries to at least take note of it and see if it has weight. Like you were talking about, does it have weight? Does it have legs? All right. All right do they have a valid point? And uh, sometimes it is. And sometimes it's just not, it's just shittily put. So, for, yeah. so, you yeah. know, for, yeah, for lack of a better way, <laughs> yeah, it's just shittily put, but it's valid. Right. And, um, yep. 
That's that's really interesting because uh, I think that most creative ventures have that movies music, like you know, ah, uh, your guitar sucked on that or something like that. You know, anything anything yeah. along yeah. those lines. And uh, I don't know. I think it's just. I think it, that's kind of the thing with the internet, right? Like some people just or many people just don't know how they're coming across. Now, what I was wondering, based off that, I was like, what is the if if you have one, if you don't, no big deal. What is the weirdest like complaint? or like, uh, or criticism, or just someone took notice of something and made note to you on Mortuary Assistant? That the bodies aren't naked. <laughs> a, that was, there's a thread that's entirely too long for what it is on the on scene. This came up the other night. <laughs> they, they like, they want the, they want the old lady naked. They want everybody naked. And it's like, I'm, you know, there's there's a line where it's like I'm trying to make a game to sell to as many people as possible. Yeah. And it's like nudity is one of those things where it's like, especially in the US, you know, super uptight. So it's like it's better to play the the air on the side of like modesty for that. But it's also not too far from how it's actually done because sure. um, embalmers will cover up the bodies to just be respectful, basically. Um, whether it's like a little like paper thing they put over them or, or whether it's underwear and a paper thing or whatever, sure. it's like they'll they'll do that. So, uh, you know, they're not just naked the whole time like an autopsy. They'll like put a blanket on them when they're doing uh, makeup and stuff like that, you know. So it's 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 not out of the realm of possibility mm. that they would have underwear on. Um, so it's just mildly concerning the number of people <laughs> that want these dead people naked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, well, the internet just has their thing of yeah, just yeah. doing what they're going to do. So yeah, that yeah, makes exactly. sense. That makes sense. But that's, um, that's probably the most bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> there, you know, there's, if it gets big enough, there's just going to be an entire just fanfic of all of it. Um, <laughs> that's how you know you made it. When yeah. When there's porn of it, you made it. Oh yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, I, I'm gonna combine two. I'm gonna kind of Frankenstein two questions together because they kind of get at the same thing. Uh, Yellow Jim Ecto on Twitter, as well as uh, get this Dylan the Dilf, um, want to know uh, about the research process for Mortuary Assistant. Uh, do you have acquaintances working in mortuaries, or did you just talk to people, or did you just kind of start and get crit like gather critiques from the community as you were going? Well, first, congratulations, Dylan. It sounds like you're uh, a, a good-looking Jen. Uh, Dilf with a Y, by the way. It's not. It's not. The, it's not the. Oh, uh, oh, oh. It's not the dad I'd like to fuck. It's the dad you'd like to fuck. All right. Oh, okay. Well, that's even more confidence. <laughs> so that's great. Um, so I don't. I don't know any embalmers. I don't. I don't know anybody personally. I haven't been to a, uh, a mortuary. I would love to. Um, I actually did research on trying to get a tour, um, but it was it was at the height of COVID, and there was sure. no way I was going to get into those places. It's already hard to do, and there was no way they're going to let anybody in. Um, so what I had to do was um, I watched lots of like um, student videos, just your regular documentaries. I, I watched um, all sorts of like like the Ask a Mortician stuff. I, I watched all of those. Um, there's some great content out there. And then uh, I've also read a lot of magazines around that stuff, a lot of articles about um, the different tools, a lot of uh, like 
instructional documentation. I went to uh, sites where you actually order all the tools that you would need and the chemicals. And I read all the descriptions and the contents of those things and stuff. And, and just like basically did as much research as I could to be as accurate as possible. And uh, that's for all eras of uh, embalming, basically, in, in like modern embalming. That's why there's like a mix of, uh, of tech in mortuary assistant sure. where it's like I do uh, <clears throat> I do gravity embalming for like the cavity filling, which I, I think is still done to some degree. But like the trocar is like an older trocar and uh, basically anything that would either serve the design well or be creepy looking. The, that's that's what I went with. So uh, it's kind of a mix of all those things. And so I did research of not just the newest stuff, but also the older creepy stuff. Yeah. What's going to look better, like an, the nice new technology or like the weird, like you're going to yeah. find these tools in the basement of House of a Thousand Corpses kind of tools, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So <laughs> that's, that's really cool. And it's funny you bring up Ask a Mortician because that was Yellow Jim's follow up was, have you ever watched uh, Ask a Mortician channel on YouTube? Yep. So Yeah. I, I've watched a number of different uh, channels that have some great content. Um that all weird mortician stuff. It's really, it's really kind of like <laughs> become desensitized to a lot of things. Yeah. Well, you know, you're going to get approached at PAX or, or at one of these future conventions. You're like, I'm a mortician. And I just got to say, I love already. what you've done. <laughs> I actually, um, so last PAX, um, I, I got a lot of that. There was, uh, there were, I mean, by a lot, I mean, there was like two or three, which is, I think a lot for random morticians. But, uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, there are people that was like, one of them was, uh, like, a um, a former police officer who was a coroner and, uh, saw a lot of the same sort of stuff. And another one who was actually an embalmer and, and they were, um, at first it was, it was funny cause, um, this, this one woman who was an embalmer was standing there with her friends and, and watching someone else play. And, you know, I'm there dressed just normally, I don't have like a shirt that's like developer on it or anything. So I was like, I heard uh, one of their friends mention to them what they thought of it and that, you know, got the, I picked up that they were embalmers. So I didn't say anything. I just stood there like listening because I wanted to know yeah. if things were accurate. And at first they were like kind of, they were kind of crapping on it. Um, but it was before the person really got into any of it. They were in the tutorial section mm -hmm. and, uh, so they were kind of just talking about like the the room in general. And then once they actually got into the things, they were like, oh, that's actually accurate. That's accurate. This is all actually really accurate. And it's like, oh, good. OK, cool. And that's what I started talking to. I was like, yeah. <laughs> wanted to make sure they were cool at first. But, uh, I heard you yeah. talking about how accurate I was. Uh, let's. Uh, <laughs> my name's Brian. Uh, I made the now game. that you don't hate it, how you do it? But uh yeah. Um, so it, it's happened a couple times in person already a lot on uh, on Twitter. I've had a number of DMs from people that, um, you know, have offered their offered their knowledge up and everything, which I'm extremely uh, thankful for being able to just uh, ping someone and be like, hey, would you normally do this? Like, I didn't do that very often, but there's one or two times where I contacted people. It was like, is this something that would be at least plausible yeah. so that I could use it in my design for things? Right. Like the um, like the paperwork for the family filing up front. You don't normally do that, but some do. Some do record that stuff and uh, and file it away for like the hospital's use or something. So it's like it's all things that are at least at the very least derivative of something real. 
you know, yeah. um, I tried to be as realistic as possible with all of it. So yeah, a lot, a lot of research into all of that. Was there a, I mean, and this is a, this is a question from the Brown guy mm -hmm. type thing, but uh, was there a movie or any kind of media that, that kind of inspired you to do this or was it more of a, can I do this type of uh, uh, idea for them? Like even this, the original prototype. So the original prototype was just back against the wall trying to think of something spooky because sure. uh, I gave I gave myself like I think it was a week uh, for a game jam, like just a self-induced game jam. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I was trying to think I don't have a lot of time. I got to make a small room. It's got to be a small condensed thing. What would be creepy in that scenario? Well, dead bodies are creepy. All right. Yeah. Why would you need to be in a room with a dead body? And so that was became autopsy or embalming. And it's like, well, autopsy is too like sterile. It's very like. It's much more scientific. Uh, everything is it. It's different sets yeah. of tools and stuff. Um, but embalming is more of like an art, and you're much more like climbing all over the body doing stuff. You know, it's like yeah, autopsies can go pretty, can get pretty gnarly. But uh, I felt there was something different about the embalming process. It felt much more personal, um, and I think part of that uh, was sort of justified when I got to know things in the embalming uh, community more about, you know, being very death positive and stuff like that, yeah. where um, it's like, there's a, there's a real love for doing this stuff. And this belief that like, you know, you're, you're really giving the family one last look at the person they love in the way they remember. Right. And so all of that sort of comes from this, like, you're, you're much more intimate in this space and so that's how that stuff kind of came about is like it's a, a small area it makes sense to be close to this body and working around this body and that's that's how that happened and then i thought obviously you know nighttime storm is nice and creepy sure um and then i got all the all the uh likenings to autopsy of jane doe which i hadn't seen yet but once uh once the prototype came out i saw it a lot and then, uh, then I put the demo out and finally I was like, okay, I should watch this thing. <laughs> like people, people keep mentioning it. And then I watched it. And I was like, oh yeah, I can totally see all the, all the similarities here. You know, there's, yeah, it's an old building it's stormy and there's dead bodies and stuff and they're getting up and doing things. I could totally get that. Yeah. There's, so. uh, there's gotta be a balance too, where you don't want to be too informed by something else. Right. Where you're like, I don't want oh, yeah. that to be in my head so that all of a sudden I subconsciously put that into my game where I think that's. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one reason why I tend to pull from movies for inspiration more mm. um, because I, I fear that if I play a million horror games, yeah, there's stuff that you can get where you'd be like, oh, I really like how they do that. I'd like to take that aspect or I'd like to take this aspect. And that's totally fine. But, um, you know, I don't want to fall into a trap of just being like, I'm going to make this game combined with this game and this and that. Right. Like, I think there's I think there's a middle ground where you can take all those things and then take your larger concept that's inspired by something else and, and marry them all together. But uh, yeah, I think I think movies is definitely like where I stick to more. <laughs> I, I have to say before we hit our last two questions, uh, so we took a little break there for a second. And I've got we've got one of those like oh, we've done our basements where my studio's down here and my wife's office is attached on the other side of the wall, but there's a shared bathroom hmm. and. Um, right now she's not down here. So I've got it kind of, the doors kind of kicked open a little bit and there's a towel rack in the bathroom that I keep looking up at because there's a white towel that's kind of like folded up and like, <laughs> 
peeking around the corner of the door and like it feels it like, does like i'm like the mimic is like <laughs> looking at me um our our next question comes from chris 99783 who asked us about the inspiration for the mimic earlier um he wants to know if there's going to be more entities added and will there be a part two um i think you kind of answered this in offline you you want to do some expansion on it yeah um so I don't know if I want to add new entities, um, mainly because they're tied to the houses of hell as well. And there are only three. So unless I want to expand further on the demonology and add more, it's like, I don't know if I want to go that route. Um, But I do plan to do uh, expansion stuff for the game itself, where like like we were talking about before, um, I want to keep supporting my game. So um, I'm going to have adding new bodies, new haunting events, some extra lore stuff, things for people to find, um, things for like for Halloween, I want to get another ending in and like just just things to provide more content and just more story and just things to explore. Um, I do have ideas for a sequel, um, if if that is indeed what you mean by a second, um, I'm assuming, um, though it's not very fleshed out right now. It's kind of like I was talking about earlier, where once I have an idea, I kind of jot it down and go, that's the idea that I have. And then I try not to think about it while I focus on the task at hand. Right. Um, so there isn't too much I can do there uh, yet. But I do, I think not just an idea for the second, but where the entire thing could go in, in even a broader sense. Um, so, you know, I don't know how much I'm going to focus on like, specifically dlc for mortuary assistant um i i think i will probably do some but uh i think i'm more of a like you know part two kind of guy so uh, we'll see we'll see how that unfolds but uh yeah there's there's stuff there and there's other things i'd like to do with it too but um yeah so so there's plans very cool very cool all right last question comes from randy kincaid on twitter uh he represents the poor lowly neglected people of the console xbox <laughs> xbox and playstation are they going to get born mortuary assistant at any point that is the plan yes um i'm talking to my publisher uh i actually just sent the project to the porting team to start looking into it um nice. don't know which consoles when but we are looking at all consoles so you know it's it's i can't make any promises about any specific one but it's there and it's being worked on it's something i want to do it's something dread wants to do and we are actively right now working towards it so it's fantastic you're gonna get some love that's fantastic i'm glad to hear that guys thank you again for all of your questions from the living questions from the living appreciate it And, and look I thought of this while I was taking questions from people. I was like, you know, if you're ever starved to put something on your YouTube or like something on Patreon, just take it. Questions from the living. Just get some, <laughs> take a question and take five minutes and answer it and screw it. There you go. There's, there's your post. Nice. Um, take it, mine. Yours. It's, it belongs <laughs> to Brian. It just, it was via me. Just remember that everyone. Um, tweaking it. Just tweak it a little bit. Um, well, uh, lastly, I usually go over this with people before I let them go. Like, what are you watching? What are you uh, taking in right now? It could be books. It could be music. It could be movies, uh, TV shows, whatever. A few different things. Um, sure. Just finished watching the most recent season of The Boys and also finished Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Um, been watching a couple like serial killer documentaries. That's a thing that comes on every now and then. Nice, nice, weird stuff, uh, which 
I oddly enjoy uh, <laughs> a little and, light uh, viewing. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I'm actually, I'm halfway through, I'm reading, uh, heir to the empire. So a star Wars book that, uh, the Timothy Zahn stuff that, uh, or Zane, whoever you pronounce it. Sure. Um, they've been out for a very long time. I have not read them yet. So uh, I'm finally getting around to it. Uh, fantastically written. So I'm, I'm pleased with them, but yeah, that's, that's all the stuff I'm, I'm like doing on the actual entertainment side. Um, cool. that, and I played a little bit of, uh, breath of the wild. Finally, finally okay. trying to play some video games. Nice. So trying, trying to treat yourself a little bit. In like yeah. Two years. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, one thing I started this past week, I, I started like the first half of it, the first half of the first episode, but the, uh, it kind of falls into, to your wheelhouse Woodstock 99, that documentary that came out on Netflix. Um, oh, yeah, isn't that about how horribly that whole how went? terrible it went? Yes, it's it's I feel like there's a game idea there. Like <laughs> you're a band and you got to get out. Right. Um, but it's no, it's horror related to all that. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's some there's some terrifying things just just in the little like blurb they give you at the beginning. It's like, I don't know how the fuck this thing even happened, like kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> um, so I started that we, we started. um uh, the the new uh, season of uh, whatever the Game of Thrones stuff is, uh, House of Dragons. Um, oh, interesting. And uh, it it's, how is that? <laughs> it, it's right in right in lane with everything else. Like it's not uh, it's not bad so far. They're doing a good job. It's very brutal. I think that you could uh, probably gather some cool ideas from some of the hmm. stuff they're doing because there's some imagery that yeah, I was like. HBO-ness. That yeah, yeah. You know, I, I jump from service to service instead of having them all because sure. You know, it's a lot. It's smart. No, it's, it's, it's getting to the point where you might as well have cable again. Um, I know, right. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty ridiculous with everything, but, uh, yeah, I, I was uncertain just because of how game of Thrones ended Yeah, where I was like, okay, once they were left up to their own devices, it didn't go super well. Yeah. Um, and this is basically all that. So sure. well, how that's going to be, but I know it's different writers. And the stuff. thing, the thing I do like about it is the actual lore, the base lore that they're writing, writing from exists. So like, there's oh, only okay. so many well, places good. they could go. Um, and it's good and bad because I've read a lot of that lore, you know, oh, there's, yeah. a, you know, earlier I was like, I was like, sometimes I'm like, screw lore, but then game of Thrones, I'm just kind of like, tell me about this random house and what the fuck happened to them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's actually already lore in place, so they can't really fuck it up too bad. I'm hoping. Um, but you know, people have done crazier Better things. Than, I haven't seen it, but I'm assuming like, it's probably better than rings of power. Uh, they're not actually allowed to use Tolkien's like Silmarillion um, like lore. They're allowed to like, they're kind of able to do their own thing within the universe. That's like what they have the rights to. So they're kind of, oh, no. so it's not, not high hopes. But oh no. <laughs> knows it could be, it could be good still. Well, let me tell you something. Amazon's marketing, like they're marketing like crazy because a, a van pulled up in front of my house the other day that had the giant, you know all the stuff like promoting that whole in front of everybody's yeah house. it's just Please watch our show they're delivering like the, the the hair product i use or something like that and there's uh, like like nice. please watch this show so we can have money um so yeah, i'm the, gonna give it a shot yeah me it. too yeah i'm a nerd i gotta i gotta check it out for sure yeah um the other thing and i, I don't know i know you said you're an 80s sci-fi horror guy mm -hmm. have you watched prey on hulu yet no, I just got Hulu back and I heard that Prey is very good. Um, I heard the dialogue is terrible, but that doesn't really matter to me because yeah. uh, I mean, it's a predator movie, but I've heard that it's I, I have heard it is supposedly 
the best addition to the Predator franchise since the original ones, because all the other ones have kind of been yeah. pretty bad. So uh, I don't know if that's a really high bar, but <laughs> still. I, what I like is this in and out. It's 92 minutes. Like you're not going to, you're oh, not, awesome. you're not parting with like three hours of your time. Like you do with most movies now, but that already sets the stage for being appropriate for a, a predator movie. So that's good. Yeah. Growing up on those, those eighties and nineties, you know, sci-fi and action films, um, that were like 68 minutes long, you know, <laughs> we're just kind of like, yeah. we're just going to make it just enough to where we shouldn't, you know, it didn't need to be a TV show kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah it's it falls in there perfectly and i mean come on like if you want to see some terrible dialogue like just go watch anything from the 80s 90s it's not great yeah, like it's real. not awesome yeah. it's just all catchphrases um yeah yeah exactly but uh yeah i would uh, i would absolutely check that out that's it's it's a lot oh, of yeah, fun I'm, I'm definitely going to for sure it really is but uh dude i thank you for being on i know i've kept you for a while but man it's been a really fun I got, conversation I got nothing going on <laughs> no, it's, been, it's been great hanging out yeah this is awesome Absolutely. If you want to follow him on Twitter, it's at DS Digital Dev. Um, and then uh, he'll be streaming at some point again once the dust settles, like he said. Uh, Darks yeah. yeah, Darkstone Digital on Twitch. And then uh, all the links to all the other stuff, your itch.io, I think is still current, right? So yes. um, I'll have that up on the, uh, on the site as well as on the YouTube channel. Um, Brian, thanks for, thanks for being here, man. I really appreciate yeah. it. Thanks for having me. Also, if anybody happens to be at PAX West, you can come by and say hello. Yeah. All you morticians. All you morticians. I'll give you a hearty handshake. (laughs) I'm just glad they're not making you dress up in like a crazy Dr. Wiley, like uh, scientist coat. Like, I mean, you don't know that. Yeah. Put the goggles, the the (laughs) goggles on your head and be like, welcome. This is how we embalm bodies. Um, (laughs) It could be fun, but I'm really, I'm really got fingers crossed and I'm hoping for pictures if someone like does some mimic cosplay or something oh, like yeah. that. Oh yeah. Well, I'm going to be yeah, I'm going to be taking a ton of I was not as on it last PAX and I wish I was, so I'm going to be taking a lot more pictures and stuff this time for sure. Is PAX the only thing you have scheduled right now or are you going to anything yeah, else? Yeah, right now. Right okay. now that's all I got. Awesome. Awesome. I yeah. uh, well hopefully I can I can pair up with you and and we can meet up again. That'd be a lot of fun. That'd be a good yeah, time. Yeah, for sure. But yeah. guys, thanks for being here. Um if you want to check me out, it's at Lopez Radio on Twitter. Uh, if you want to check me out on Twitch, uh, it is Lopez Radio. So check me out there. And uh, otherwise, rate, review, subscribe if you want to. I'll see you guys next time. Thanks again, Brian. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you.